the book of Matthew and the fifth chapter. Matthew and the fifth chapter tonight. And uh, Matthew chapter number five, one verse uh, will be our next verse. Or I say our next, we're still in, uh, we've been on this verse for uh, some time now. I think this is the third message I've preached out of this, uh, out of this verse, Matthew chapter number 5 and uh, verse number 9. Let's stand tonight, Matthew 5 and verse number 9. If you want to go ahead and get ahead of me, you can go to, uh, you can go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be there as well. Matthew 5 and verse 9 and Ephesians and verse number 4 tonight. We'll be in both of those texts. Let's read Matthew 5 together and the ninth verse. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so here's the promise. For they shall be called the children of God. We'll read it again. Blessed are the peacemakers. <clears throat> and if they are a peacemaker, if you are a peacemaker, here's what the promise is. They shall be called the children of God. We'll stop reading there, that one verse. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we ask you that you'd help us. We thank you for what you've done already in the service, in the singing. We thank you for the songs and the singers and uh, how you give us songs in our hearts and in our services. And Lord, we thank you for the choir and how they, how they ministered to our hearts tonight. And we thank you, God, for the special singing, how it ministered to our hearts tonight as well. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd touch the preaching now of the precious Word of God. May it do for us what nothing else in this world can. And uh, Lord, may it pierce into the very depths of our soul and change who we are. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh, for several months now, I think I, I look, well, I know I look back, but I think I saw where we, it was somewhere around, somewhere around in August uh, that we started preaching on the Beatitudes uh, and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and uh, we've made it from August. Of course, we've not, I've not been there every service or even every week, just as uh, the Lord has directed, but uh, it's taken us from August to get to these nine verses. And uh, not in a hurry, uh, and 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 hope to not belabor anything, but uh, want to get somewhat of a of a grip on on these verses and what they mean. And we've tried to I've tried to present uh, each one of them to you in in three ways. At least these beatitudes. We won't do this for the entire Sermon on the Mount, but these uh, these beatitudes. I've tried to present them to you uh, as a paradox. Uh, a, a uh, progression and a promise and uh, that we could see all of these in that light and in that order. Uh, tonight I plan, if the Lord will help me, and he'll have to help me because you know how I get. Uh, if the Lord will help me, I plan on finishing uh, verse number 9 tonight. I plan on finishing, blessed are the peacemakers. That's my goal uh, and uh, I, I want to I meet that goal, Lord willing, if he'll help us tonight. And if God opens something up real big in the text and we get hung up there, we'll just know we'll have to come back again, and that'll be all right, won't it? Amen. How many of you love the Word of God tonight? 
and nothing better I'd rather do tonight than expound the Holy Scripture, study it, and read it, and let the Holy Ghost make it come alive in our hearts tonight. Blessed are the peacemakers. I've been trying to, uh, to answer two questions uh, in your hearing as we've dealt with uh, these peacemakers. Question number one is, what is a peacemaker? Uh, question number two, how do I become one? If they're so blessed, uh, how do I become one? Those are the two questions that we've been trying to answer. And so here's been the answer up to this point. Uh, number one, we've said, we've studied, we've saw uh, in the Word of God that a peacemaker, uh, if you're going to be one of these blessed peacemakers, then first of all, you must be a partaker of peace. How are you going to give? How are you going to bring? How are you going to present to a person without peace something that you do not possess? And if you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to be a partaker of peace. I'll say it to you like this tonight and move quickly on. You're going to have to know something about the gospel you preach. And aren't you glad for the day you were at war with God? You were running from God. You were fighting with God. You were arguing with God. And you finally surrendered and said, Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I am wrong. Yes, I do need you. And came to God in surrender. He saved you. And do you know what he did? I know you know. He filled you with the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And if you're going to be a peacemaker, you'll have to be a peace partaker. I won't preach any more on this part of it, but just ask you this, is anybody in the house of God tonight glad for the day or the hour that you became a partaker of his marvelous, wonderful peace? Amen. Here's the second thing about a peacemaker. Not only are they a partaker of peace, but they are a proclaimer of peace. Or uh, I wrote out beside that and I've given it to you, a preacher. They are a partaker and they are a proclaimer of peace. Uh, <clears throat> that, that, that same gospel message that confronted you and if you ever got saved, and I, I believe you are, and uh, if you got saved, uh, i tell you one thing you got before you got saved, you got introduced to truth. And one thing I know about truth tonight is truth will hurt your feelings. Truth don't always make you feel good. Truth will convict you and truth will confront you. And when you are confronted and convicted by truth, uh, there's not a whole lot of peace. Uh, a man under conviction, he might be about to be saved. He's able to be saved. God wants to save him. But if he's under conviction, he ain't going home tonight with peace like a river. If you walked in here tonight and you're lost, I can tell you one thing, unless you get saved before you leave here, you're not leaving here with joy in your soul, peace in your soul, and contentment in God because you are under conviction. That's not a peaceful state. So this individual has been confronted with truth. 
but there comes the day they surrender to that truth. They submit to that truth. The peace of God overwhelms their soul. And now everywhere they go, it seems, they want to tell others the same truth that convicted them and bring uh, that message of peace into their life. Here's the only problem. The people you tell, that message does the same thing to them as it did to you. It confronts and it convicts and it challenges and now they got to go home and not be able to eat cereal tonight. Now they got to go home tonight and not be able to sleep. Now they got to go home and not be able to be content in their sin anymore until they get saved. And they can run, they'll never find peace. They can hide, they'll never find peace. But if they'll run to Calvary and hide in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will find peace. And I illustrated that with John 4. Jesus confronted that woman at the well. And uh, she went all religious on him, wanted to talk about worship and her fathers and, and how good they were. And Jesus said, you don't know who you worship or what you worship or where you worship. You're in a mess, lady. And until you get right, you're going to stay in a mess. And when Jesus confronted her, she got saved. The first thing she did was to run home and become a proclaimer of peace. And everybody who got saved was because she was bringing, she, let's just use the Bible word, she was making peace in their life through the message that she was proclaiming. And the only hope that America's got tonight is not if all the Christians go quiet. The only hope is not if all the religious folks uh, uh, hide under a rock somewhere. The only hope is not if we let go of all of our beliefs and, and bow down to society. That won't bring peace. That'll bring more sin and more ungodliness and more chaos. The only hope for America tonight is if God's people keep on waving that bloodstained banner, keep on preaching the word of God, keep on standing for what's right, and let folks know that there is a Savior who will bring peace to their lives. Amen. So that is the second thing. A peacemaker is a not only a partaker, but a proclaimer of peace. Now, tonight, we're going to finish this message, and I want to give you the third thing, the third truth about a peacemaker. Uh, they are not only a partaker of peace, and they're not only a proclaimer of peace. And let me, let me encourage you tonight. Let me just talk to you for, here, for just a second. Let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you told somebody the good news of the gospel of Christ? How long has it been since you told somebody about the day that joy and peace and life flooded your soul? How long has it been since you took someone down memory lane with you and said, let me tell you about the night that Jesus washed all my sins away? If it's been a while, or maybe that's never been a part of your life, I encourage you, go to work tomorrow, go to school tomorrow, go, 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 go home, go tell somebody what Jesus did for you and go ahead and start being a peacemaker. Here's the third thing tonight. A peacemaker is a practicer of peace. A partaker of peace. A proclaimer 
of peace. I have received it, and I'm going to tell everyone I can about it. But not only have I received it, and not only am I going to tell it, but I'm going to show it in the way I conduct my Christian life. Does that make sense? Because there's one thing tonight for you to be born again. There's another thing tonight for you to tell it. But there's a completely other thing tonight for you to show it. And I do believe that there's some folks that are saved uh, that are not shown. And I believe there's folks that are saved that are not living uh, in their daily practice with their family. And I, I, I know we like to throw stones at folks, uh, but I, I'm going to get in the way of some of them stones this evening and go ahead and catch one or two myself. Uh, I don't always live like a peacemaker. I don't always practice being a peacemaker at home with my wife or children at church with you uh, or riding down the road uh, uh, passing cars on the side of the road. I'm not always practicing uh, the message of peacemaker. But if you're going to have received it, that's the only way you can practice it. And if you're going to preach it, you better practice it. Because people can see how you act a whole lot more than they're going to listen to what you say. Are you hearing me tonight? A practicer of peace is a peacemaker. They are saved. They are in a new world because of Christ. And now they have the ability to live new, to live spirit-filled, to live submitted to the will of God, and to live uh, like God would have them, them to live. Now, I asked you a minute ago to go to Ephesians. And you can go ahead and turn there with me tonight. Ephesians chapter number 4. And verse number one, we'll read three verses tonight. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse number one. Therefore, or Paul writes and says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Uh, in, in, in good old southern English, you know what Paul was saying? Uh, don't be a hypocrite. Be what God saved you and called you to be. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, live like one. If you're a preacher, live like one. If you're a witness, live like you are uh, what you say you are. Verse 2, here's how you do it. Here's how, here's how you do it. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, Forbearing one another in love, watch this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me read that to you again. Endeavoring, working, doing your best, trying your hardest to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonded or in the bond of peace. You know what Paul said? Uh, if, if you've been saved and you've been called and you've surrendered to God, I want you to walk worthy. I want you to do your best to keep the, 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 the uh, unity in the bond of peace. I want you to do the best that you can to be a peacemaker in your life. Uh, it's one thing tonight 
uh, that God saved you. Aren't you glad he saved you? It's one thing tonight uh, that God uh, has given you a message and you ought to go tell it. You ought to tell it at the jail, the nursing home, the grocery store, the church. If there's an opportunity to stand up in church, people that go to church with you ought to know your testimony and be able to tell your testimony about how God saved you. You ought to tell it to your children. Tell it at home. Rehearse it again and again and again and remind folks of it. But then if you're going to do that, put shoe leather on your Christianity and do the very best you can to be a peacemaker in your daily practice. That means at home with your family. That means in your marriage. That means at work. That means at church that God, the Holy Ghost, is intending on me and you being peacemakers in our life. And uh, let's, here's how Paul said uh, that we can do that. Uh, he gives us four steps. I want to give them to you tonight uh, and, and close out this subject uh, and move on uh, next time we come back. Uh, notice number one, uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse number two. Uh, we're going to keep the peace, we're going to keep the unity, we're going to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called uh, with all, what's that word? Lowliness. Number one, if I'm going to practice peacemaking in my home, in my life, in my church, if I'm going to live out what I say I am, uh, then I'm going to have to take the first step in peacemaking, and that is walking in lowliness. Well, what in the world does lowliness mean? What in the world does the Bible defin or define lowliness? Uh, lowliness is without pride. Uh, lowliness, here's a good word to describe it, humility or humble. Uh, one, one, one man I read behind uh, described lowliness like this. A deep sense of one's littleness, especially when it comes to areas of morality uh, or spirituality. Uh, littleness and the recognition are a deep sense of one's own littleness in areas of moral things and spiritual things. What that simply means is I'm not the greatest, I'm not the best, I'm not the biggest, I'm not supposed to be head honcho over everything, and if I'm going to practice peacemaking in my marriage, if I'm going to practice peacemaking with my children or children with their parents, if I'm going to practice peacemaking in the church, uh, then I can't walk around like the big shot, but I need to have a spirit of lowliness that is humility in my life. Is anybody hearing me tonight? And I'll tell you something tonight. In the average Baptist church, uh, it's, it's about as hard to find. And I, I wouldn't say in this one. I believe God's given us a wonderful church with some wonderful, sincere Christians. But you better not pin them up too, too, too tight and close quarters or you'll find out they ain't as lowly as you think that we are. Somebody help me right there. And you'll find out that most folks you go to church with, most folks that you hobnob with, most folks that you think so highly of are not quite as lowly as they'd like to let on. Most of us think pretty highly of ourselves when the rubber meets the road. Well, I can't believe they said that about me. <laughs> 
Well, I can't believe they didn't shake my hand. You know what you're saying? I'm somebody and they don't know it and who do they think they are? Oh, y'all talk back to me now. And, and, and uh, that's, you're not on your way of being a peacemaker uh, if you've got a, 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 an arrogant air about you, a, a self-willed, a self-promoting, uh, a, a, an agenda-promoting air about you uh, or a false humility about you. But Paul said if you're, gonna, if you're going to walk worthy of the vocation, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you need to walk in lowliness, lowliness, um, without pride, humble, having a humble opinion of one's own self. Uh, if you want to flip over with me to Philippians chapter 2, I want to I illustrate uh, this lowliness in Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, watch this, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, in these verses, Paul, the apostle, instructs the church at Philippi to not think highly of themselves, but to look uh, at every man in the church at, as being better and higher and that their own individual self is a servant of those in the church. Now, I know this ain't shouting preaching now. I know this ain't popular preaching tonight because we like that preaching where people ought to obey us and people ought to serve us. But the Holy Ghost has the Apostle Paul preach to the church at Philippi and he said, y'all need to quit esteeming yourselves higher than your brother and you need to take a lower position than him and be a servant of him. And he uses the word lowliness. Lowliness. I'm going to tell you something tonight would help fix your marriage if you took the form of a servant down there where you lived instead of the servee. Oh, y'all done got quiet on me now. I guess I'm preaching that. Y'all done got quiet on me. If you take the form of a servant instead of a servee, well, they don't know. Don't you know what all I've done for you? Don't you know how good I've been to you? And I, I'll say something else tonight. Some of our young people in here, and we love you, but God did not put mother and father in this world to serve your every waking need in life. And it wouldn't hurt you to wash a dish every now and then. Can I get a witness right there? It, it wouldn't hurt you to mow the grass without somebody asking you. Can I get some help right? It wouldn't hurt you to put the video game down and go clean your bedroom without mom and daddy having to, uh, to beg you and nag you to death. You can be a servant at the house. And I tell you what, one thing will walk into the doors of your house about as quick as anything. If you'd become a servant, that place would be filled with peace. Peace. And if we're going to have peace, 
If we're going to be peacemakers, he said lowliness. And he instructs us with that. And then he gives us in Philippians chapter 2, uh, he gives us not only instruction, but illustration. He said, let, verse 5, y'all look with me. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He said, Jesus and God are one. I'd amen that tonight. I'm going to run that one by you again. Jesus and God are one. He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Jesus and God are one. He thought it not robber to be equal with God. He said, me and God's on the same page. Me and him are one together. But made himself, oh, I like these next verses, of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. It gets even better. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul says, let me give you some instruction. Don't think too highly of yourself. Then he said, let me give you an illustration. The greatest one that ever lived. The Lord Jesus was equal with God and yet he became man. He was equal with God, yet he became me and you. But not only did he become me and you, he became a servant up to me and you. He served us on the cross of Calvary. He served his disciples. He served them by washing their feet. He served us when he died in our place. He who knew no sin became sin. Now here's my question. How come you can't lower yourself down a little bit? How come we can't lower ourselves down and take wrong, take fault? Say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I messed up, I missed the mark. How come siblings can't lower themselves down? You think because you come in this world before the other one that you got some kind of right on the other one? Huh? I mean, I got three brothers in here. I don't have no more right over them uh, with God or anybody else. And, 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 and you, you think tonight, uh, you think tonight because you, you joined up at Crossroads Baptist Church before some other family that you got some kind of priority or seniority down at the house of God? I mean, we, we pride ourselves on how long we've been saved. How long you've been saved? I've been saved 20 years. <laughs> well, I've been saved 22 and a half. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't know. I missed that verse. I, I missed that truth in the Bible where God puts us all on the same playing field when he saves us. Well, how long you been preaching? Well, I've been preaching 10 years. Yeah, well, God called me 12 years ago. I'm an old man of God now. Y'all talk back to me now. I don't care how long you've been preaching, how long you've been saved, how long you've been going to this church, how long you've been in this world. It won't hurt you to lower yourself down. It won't hurt me. It won't hurt us. Bring yourself down. Lowliness. Y'all see that? I'm talking about practicing now. Practicing. We, we, y'all enjoyed it. We shouted over that. Uh, partakers. Man, that's good. I'm a partaker of grace. I'm a partaker of peace. But now we got to put some shoes on and be a practicer of it. That's a little bit more difficult. And I lost some of you on the proclaiming business. Oh, the preacher, I don't want to tell nobody. I mean, I'm glad I got it. I don't want to tell nobody, though. I've lost some more than I don't this practicing business. 
You know why God put you in that Sunday school class? Not because you have a treasure trove of knowledge that everyone needs to hear. God put you in there because he really likes some little kids and he wanted somebody to tell them. I'm going to tell you something else tonight. I don't care how good of a preacher you are. God didn't call you to preach because you're the best preacher since Billy Sunday or Billy Graham or some other Billy. God called you to preach because he really likes his church and he wants somebody to go tell them something about him. And if God called you to preach, he called you to preach, he wants you to be a servant. He wants you to serve in the scriptures and serve the people of God by giving them the word of God. Long-suffering. Let's look at the, I'm sorry, lowliness. Let's look at the second one. Meekness. What verse are we in? I'm in in Philippians still. Let's go back to Ephesians. I'm hurrying. Ephesians chapter 2, with all lowliness. Now here's the next word, and meekness. Let, Let me give you this verse tonight. You know it, you're familiar with it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you fight all the time where you live? We're just going to get right down here where everybody lives. And it got quiet, and I appreciate that. It would have been bad if you did amen out loud right there. You probably would have gone home and fought some more. Don't you say that in church. Keep that business at the house. <laughs> Let me ask you a question tonight. We want, we're going to meet with all the young people when church is over. If you're, if you're 18 and under, I want to meet with y'all for just a second. I want to ask you, does mom and dad fight? I'm just kidding. I ain't going to do that. But they would tell the truth. We don't ask questions like that at school because we don't want answers like that at school. Uh, do you fight all the time at home? Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride. Cometh what? Contention, fighting, strife. Somebody's got some pride issues if all's ever going on is fighting. You fight all the time with your siblings? Boy, I remember we used to do some fighting. Y'all remember that? And that was that was bad on my part, because I'm nine years older than Seth and seven years older than Daniel. I could I I, I guess I probably shouldn't have fought with y'all. No wonder I whooped y'all all the time. One day I come back home and Seth was a grown man and Daniel was too. I thought, well, I probably ought to quit fighting with them boys. Now I'm nice to them. Most of the time. Uh, I still fight with Caleb. Only by pride cometh contention. Uh, you fight all the time, strife all the time, arguing all the time. Young people, you got strife all the time everywhere you go. Might have something to do with that pride hanging around on your shoulders. All right, let's look at the second one. Y'all are doing good. Y'all are taking it well. Y'all are. I ain't preaching at y'all. I'm preaching for y'all. I, one thing I've learned in preaching is I have, to, I, have to get it, I have to get it before you do. I get a double dose of whatever medicine that y'all get. Look, let's look at the second one, meekness. And all these words are really closely related. If I was like uh, Brother Mike Bagwell, I could, I could expound it a little bit better, but I'm not Brother Mike Bagwell, so I'll just give you the Webster's Dictionary because I don't know the Greek Dictionary. 
Uh, here's, the, here's the second meaning, uh, or the second word, meekness. It is softness of temper. And, and, and we looked in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the meek. And, and what that really was, was uh, that, that individual who is submitted to God. They have surrendered their will. And, 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 the, and the Noah Webster 1828 dictionary says meekness is softness of temper. A controlled spirit. A spirit that is submitted to the will of God. And if I'm going to be a peacemaker, I better lower my mindset about myself. Because the world wasn't put here to serve me. The world wasn't put here to cater me. The church wasn't put here to hold my hand and hold me up and run behind me and, and excuse me for the, for the vulgar... Uh, illustration, but the world wasn't put here or the church wasn't put here uh, to diaper me uh, all through life. Help me right there. Uh, I need to lower my expectation and lower my opinion of myself. And, and, And then meek is not quick to anger, not short-tempered. It is the opposite opposite of arrogant. It is the opposite of of, in-your-face, but it is a spirit of mildness, a spirit of temperance, a spirit that is controlled by the Spirit of God. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to be a partaker. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to be a proclaimer. But if you're going to have to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to learn how to put some shoes on that and practice it with a little meekness in your life. Now, how are you when everything goes your way? Y'all still with me? Well, I tell you, I'm pretty good. I really am. I really am. When things are going my way, I am a delight. I mean, you just ask anybody I know. What do you think about Brother Josh Williams when things are going his way? Oh, he's just, I'm a good guy to be around. You want to be around me when things are going my way, especially when it's about me. Oh, I'll talk to you all day long if you want to talk about how good I am. Oh, y'all help me now. Y'all like the same stuff. I, I talk to you all day long. My goodness, I am pleasant and easy going, but you let something not go my way. And there is a side of me that gets all red on the inside. There is a side of me. My ears get red, kind of like they are right now, but I'm not mad right now. I'm just preaching. My ears get red. My blood pressure goes up. Look, they, we, we flew back uh, from Albania uh, December, what was it, the 13th? The 9th, 10th, 13th, somewhere in the middle of December, we flew home. Uh, and, and everybody got their bag. Everybody. Uh, we got one of ours, and one of them, Air France, didn't bring home. Uh, I've called them people. I called Delta. 
Uh, they literally had my bag in their hands, sent it to Brother Dane and Miss Esther's house, and Miss Esther called me and said, we got your bag, what do you want to do? I said, who's got it? She said, FedEx. I said, tell them to FedEx it to Augusta. Well, there's no point in me driving to Alabama to get a bag when, when uh, they can FedEx it. Well, they did, and, and I don't know where it went. Uh, but Delta don't know where it is, FedEx don't know where it is, and Air France don't know where it is. And we got to counting this stuff up. And, and you'd be surprised what you accumulate over time. You don't realize the value of it, but when you, when you, when you get to calculating clothes and shoes and luggage and souvenirs, we calculated up over $1,800 worth of valuables in that bag somewhere between here and, and, and Wadawi, Alabama is in that bag. Uh, Air France contacted me and said, we need receipts. I said, you need receipts? They said, we need receipts. I said, how do you get receipts for stuff you've had five, six years? Uh, I, I, I mean, I've done, done my taxes on it. I know some of y'all are better bookkeepers than I am. I don't keep receipts back that long. Uh, they, 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 they said, we'll send you $600. And that's the best we can do without receipts. I said, uh, and, and half the stuff we bought over there, we paid cash for the souvenirs. I said, That's, that, that'll cover the suitcase. Uh, I mean, it wasn't quite, I mean, the suitcase wasn't quite that much, but I, that's what I wanted them to think so. <laughs> that'll cover our suitcase. That's what's the best we can do without receipts. I woke up the other morning. And I was, that was the first thing on my mind. I ain't ever getting my bags back. I got clothes in there. Y'all, y'all know that, uh, y'all know that suede looking brown jacket I wear every now and then? I've had that since I was a freshman in Bible college. That's the only jacket that has fit me. I must have bought it big. I don't know. But I've had it all these years and somebody has stole my, my, my suede sports. I'm getting mad, red eared and red headed now. My suede sports coat has been stolen by the airport or the airport courier service. I woke up thinking about my new balance tennis shoes. I wear a pair of boots out and a pair of dress shoes. I wear them out faster. Tennis shoes will last me a lifetime. I very rarely wear tennis shoes. I've had these a long time. They was the ones with the American flag on the back. said, made in the USA. They don't make anything in the USA no more. Maybe New Balance, I don't know. I woke up, I'm trying to hurry. I woke up mad. Oh, I got that in me. I got it in me. And it ain't as bad when it's directed towards Delta or Air France. But if I direct that to the church, if I direct that to the child of God, if I direct that to my wife, if I direct that to my children, I tell you what, I'm living with those folks. I'm living with y'all. And we need some peace in the house of God. We need some peace in the school. We need some peace in our homes. And it's going to start by somebody putting on shoe leather and practicing being a peacemaker. And that is not being short-tempered, but mild in spirit and meek in spirit. Do y'all see that tonight? What time is it? Let me finish. Y'all, y'all got a few more minutes tonight? Y'all are listening so well. Long suffering. Verse 2. 
Ephesians 4, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Long-suffering. It is bearing injuries, the definition of long-suffering, or provocations for a long time. Patient, not easily provoked, endurance, slowness in avenging wrong. Let me just put it to you down here where we live. Long-suffering. Willing to suffer a long time with someone or by someone or because of someone. I tell you what, they don't know how bad they get on my nerves. I tell you what, if I had, if I had my way, I'd give them the what for. I'd let them know what I think about them. Problem is, most folks won't do that to people they don't know, but they'll do that to the people they do know. That's my problem. <laughs> I'll shove my whole family aside and let some stranger in Walmart, you know, come by. Hey, don't get out of the way and be polite and respectful of these folks. Be long suffering with people I don't know. It's harder to be sometimes with people you do know. Long suffering. Suffer a long time with. You want to be a peacemaker? How about add a little step number one, a little lowliness. You want to take a step down. Step, step number two, a little meekness. Step number three, a little long suffering with others. Here's the third or the fourth, and I'll close. Forbearing one another in love. All these words are similar. They're closely related. But forbearing one another, or the word forbearance, it means withholding from action, restraining from action, to put up or to hold up one another. And I got to looking at that word forbearing. And, and, and the word bear, uh, it, it, it is... Uh, to bear up, to hold up. I've got this Kleenex box and I'm bearing it up. I'm holding it up. And to forbear is, 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 is it's, it's kind of like this, to put up with. But it's more than that. It is to get in under the load and put up with and bear the load with sometimes the one causing the load. And, and it's easy to be nice to people that it's easy to be nice to. I'm nearly done. Y'all hear me. I think y'all are. It's easy to be good to people that are good to us. It's easy to be polite and peaceful with people that are polite and peaceful with us. But some folks, it's all you can do to put up with them. I'm going to tell you something else and y'all ain't going to like it because it'll mean it'll be one of you. It ain't me. It's one of you. But guess you could say the same. It ain't me, but it's one of y'all. Paul said in the church at Ephesus, we're going to have to learn to forbear one another. He said, we're going to have to learn to put up with one another. Oh, y'all done got quiet on me tonight. 
you work with people long enough, you go to church with people long enough, you live with people long enough, you say, what are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing, I'm putting up with them. I even, I'm preaching these definitions and I felt like Brother Mike Bagwell. With my hand behind my ear. Put up with. Bear under the load with. He said, in order that you might keep the, what is it, the bond of the Spirit. In the, let, me, let me find the verse. In order that we might, let's see, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You're going to have a peaceful marriage. There's going to be sometimes you're going to have to lower yourself into a state of lowliness. If you're going to have a peaceful marriage, a peaceful life, you're going to have to operate with the spirit of meekness. Long-suffering. Here's it. The last forbearance. If you're going to be married any time at all, you're going to have to put up with the person you're married to sometimes. They're going to put up with you. That's all right because the Holy Ghost said that's what you're supposed to do. Put up. Hold up, bear up, forbear. Well, I ain't putting up with that anymore. You put your foot down, you ain't putting up with that anymore. You know what you just told the whole world? I deserve better than that. No, you really don't, probably. There's some things you might, and you don't have to put up with everything. We're talking about normal life stuff. Now, closing. All three of these are paradox. I got a sneaky suspicion, I done showed you this, that this is not what the world thinks when they think of peacemaker. That's what the Holy Ghost describes. That's what the Lord Jesus describes. It is a paradox, and I want you to notice the progression. I'm going to go back one more time, Matthew 5. I'm closing this one out. I'm not coming back to peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse 3. That's when you realize I'm nothing and I need a Savior. I'm empty and God, I'm a beggar. And you begin, verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn. You begin mourning over your sin. There's a progression to these. Blessed are the meek. You submit yourself to whatever God said. God said you're a sinner. You submit yourself to that. You surrender yourself to that. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. When you learn to submit yourself to God, you'll start hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. And the reason why most of us don't have an appetite for the things of God is because we have yet to learn to submit ourselves to God. But when you do, you begin hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And the Bible said, they shall be filled. Aren't you glad God will fill you with what you're hungry for? And the next verse is, blessed are the merciful. When you realize the only righteousness you have come from Him, and you want more of it, and God has given you righteousness, and it came from Him, it'll make you merciful because you'll realize that whatever goodness you have didn't come from you, and you didn't earn it, and God didn't owe it to you, and you're just living in the mercy of God, willing to be merciful to others around you. And after that mercy's come into your life and cleansed your soul and flooded your life, blessed are the pure in heart, 
Talking about a progression of how these things operate in the life of a Christian. God began cleaning up. I understand all these work together, but there is a progression now these are laid out. And then he comes to blessed are the peacemakers. God does a work in your heart. You'll quit thinking that everything everybody said was anti-you and against you and about you because you've been made pure in heart. You think everybody's talking about you. I know I preached a long time tonight. You find out later on down the life, most folks weren't talking about you. That's what you think because that's what you think. You think about you. God does a work in your heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. The next in line is blessed are the peacemakers. There's a progression. Here's the promise. For they shall be called the children of God. See, if you'll be a peacemaker, it'll be so evident that people around you will call you. You know where Christians got their names? The Bible said they were first called Christians at Antioch. You know where they got their names? They did not name themselves. But the world said, look at them Christians, them Christ." The church didn't name itself Christian. The child of God didn't name themselves Christian. The world put that label and said, I tell you, that crowd, they are Christians. They are Christians. And he said, here's the promise. You'll be a partaker of peace if you'll be a proclaimer of peace. If you'll be a practicer of peace, you'll be a peacemaker. And when you're a peacemaker, the people you live with will say, I know they're saved. The people you go to church with will say, they must be a Christian. They are God's children. People you go to work with will say, right there's one of God's children. The Bible does not tell us who's going to say it. I believe God will say, yeah, they're mine. I believe the church will say, yeah, they're one of his. But I believe the world will say, right there, one of his, Christian. I'm going to close with this question. She can come to the piano tonight. What's the people you work with think about you? The people that you live with, what do they say and think about you? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying you might not be a peacemaker. And Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That was a lot tonight. But I believe the Lord helped us. What does the world say about you? What does the church say about you? What does your family say about you? Are you a peacemaker? Or are you still part of the problem? Why don't you take those four steps? Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearance. And ask God to put them deep in your heart and you start practicing them at home. See what God will do for you. Let's stand all over the building tonight. Let's come pray. We close that part out. You pray for us. Are you...